This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Have yourself a film history. The history of film. From Brad Pitt to James Cagney and all of them Have yourself a very, very film history Merry Christmas, everyone. From Film History, the History of Film. Very excited for this one. Big Christmas vibes going on now. Grab you a hot cup of cocoa with a little Jack Daniels splash in there. <laughs> whatever your grandpa taught you. My grandpa gave me eggnog spike whiskey at 11 years old, but that's a different story. <laughs> Sit by the fire, but not too close. Your sweater might catch and uh, catch an ember, and you'll look like Joe Pesci in this movie we're about to talk about with his head on fire. That's right, everyone. We're talking about 1990s gigantic blockbuster Christmas film written by John Hughes, directed by a man named Chris Columbus, funny enough. Uh, <laughs> Home Alone, starring child star Macaulay Culkin. What better way to ring in the holiday spirit about family than a story about your family leaving you for the holidays? <laughs> family. My family left me home alone. <laughs> what if it was Dom and Home Alone? It's just like a little, a little muscly, bald Macaulay Culkin, and he's like, "My family left me." He's like, "You're never alone when you have family." <laughs> so you thought you'd get away from Fast and Furious for the holidays, but we're keeping the Fast and Furious Christmas train going. Doesn't matter how far apart we are, miles. Quarter miles, no matter what, we'll always be family. <laughs> Somebody out there's like, no, no more, <laughs> no more. Families. I listen back. I listen back to the episode, and I, I, there should be a drinking game for that episode of how many. Every time we say that word, you you drink. And I, people will die. I will Chug do that game at some point. That's <laughs> Chug the eggnog. That sounds like a fun. That sounds like a fun way to revisit the episode. The that couple, would be the fun. couple weeks. That would be fun. I'll do it. <laughs> Uh, so one of my favorite things of all time is drinking in airport terminals. Mm. And, uh, uh, what if, uh, I think I have a, have a pretty hefty layover at one point. I'll just, uh, <laughs> I'll put that podcast on my headphones. I'll set the bar and, uh, I'll take a shot every time we say family. And, uh, That's I will, that, that, that bill would probably be $300. It'd be 300 bucks. You'd have to run. You'd have to just escape. <laughs> Luckily there's, and this, there's escape route. <laughs> just choose a bar that you, you don't want to go back to. <laughs> <laughs> just hopped on the plane. They're like, they'll never catch me now. <laughs> the bartender's like, he left me home alone. Ah. Hey, when you come back to the bar, they're going to have a bunch of traps set up for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, God will. I don't know how in the world this would happen, but for whatever reason, someone out there has not seen this movie. 
Home Alone is a huge Christmas movie. I mean, everybody watches this thing. This is the ultimate. Mm. They get Christmas mailbox money for making this movie. Mm. Um, everybody watches this multiple times every year around Christmas. Uh, even sometimes when it's not Christmas, just for residuals fun. Residuals forever. Residuals <laughs> forever. Macaulay. That is why Macaulay Culkin can just do whatever he wants because he gets millions of dollars a year from this movie playing everywhere. Mm. And power to yeah. him. Uh, I'm excited to touch on the great artisanal Macaulay work Cul- that is Macaulay Culkin. <laughs> and his, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And his, uh, I'm just glad you didn't say to touch on Macaulay Culkin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> An awesome, yeah. awesome life. <laughs> No, I'm really glad that you're going to get into it. I think I got a good part for us to come in on that. He had worked with uh, John Candy already, and he had worked with John Hughes already on Uncle Buck. Yeah. Never heard of it. Man, Drake. <laughs> At least I've seen how we're doing this. Yeah, no, this is, this is good. This is why we're doing this right here. And, uh, and I was thinking next year, next Christmas, we'll do the sequel. Oh, Home Alone We'll do too? Home Alone 2. Okay. Lost in the City. Yeah, And sure. then that will be it, because yeah. there was never a Home Alone made after that. That <laughs> right. was worth ever talking about. Don't even get me started yeah. on the new, the, you know, the newest one, There's right? a brand new one There's out, right? There's a brand right? new yeah. one that just came out for Disney+, Plus, and I'm not even... Well, I'm, I am curious about how this story functions in the modern day. Yeah. Because now, now you just text. I know. You just text your mom, hey, where are you? This could have been a horror story with the right music. You know, <laughs> I mean, like the right score over this thing. But yeah, luckily it was scored by John Williams in this really Christmassy way because this is a terrifying tale, you know? Yeah. Oh, and again, though, the sequel, we're going to get into the sequel next year, but we are also, I, I think we're getting into the same waters here where this is contested... On which one is better? On really? Wh- yeah. There's an argument of which yeah. one is better. There's a huge argument out there. A lot of people say <laughs> the one in New York is better. I can imagine <sighs> someone from New York thinks Only the one in New York, York is better. I mean, I guess yeah. I haven't seen. Yeah. I haven't seen Home Alone Two in forever, so I. I, I it's just great. Don't, I don't remember. It's it amazing. That. Really? It's just it is. It's a totally different tale, but the exact same thing. Uh, <laughs> Drake, do you know much about John Hughes? No. Okay. No, so, I've heard that name before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the one who wrote this. He didn't direct it, but he okay. wrote this one. But he did, he directed a lot of stuff as well. John Hughes, sort of, I mean, somebody might argue with this, but in my opinion, he sort of created the 80s was, teen drama. Was he playing Trains and Automobiles? Yes, he was. Okay. He made that as well. I've never seen yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's a, it's I a, have seen Due that's Date. That's the only Thanksgiving movie. Yeah, oh, but Due I have date. seen Due Date with Frodo and Jack Galifianakis, yes. which I hear is just an R rated Incredible. Of, yeah. both, both of them are so <laughs> worth a watch. Yeah, it, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles is like the only Christmas, Thanksgiving movie that you can watch that because they're both trying to get home for Thanksgiving. Oh, okay. It was amazing. You should definitely watch that one. Probably some outdated jokes, but okay. still hilarious. Sure. You know, they like caught themselves snuggling in bed once and they were like, oh, anyway. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but John Hughes, like, this man, he created uh, in the 80s what was called the Brat Pack. And this was Emilio Estevez, Anthony Michael Hall, Rob Lowe, Andrew McCarthy, Demi Moore, Judd Nelson, Molly Ringwald, and Ali Sheedy made up the 80s Brat Pack. And I would say Charlie Sheen as well. Some people don't mm-hmm. say Charlie Sheen's part of the Brat Pack, but I kind of think he is. You okay. know, uh, He was hanging out with all these people. His brother was in it, so he was mm-hmm. there. You yeah. know? And Charlie Sheen were... was the cool outcast. To, he was the yeah. one that everybody wanted. He, he was the guy with the leather jacket in Breakfast Club. <laughs> no way. Or uh, that was Judd Nelson. No, no, I know. I'm just saying oh, that God. character. <laughs> I didn't mean literally. Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. I just know. meant like yeah. he was what? like, you know, too cool for school and like everybody oh, wanted Charlie, to be him. Yeah, yeah. yeah but Charlie's what? like, nah, what was man, the movie where he I do was my own like, thing. that's right. What was the movie where he was the cool dude in the leather jacket? Yeah, he was that like, was the that dr- was the Breakfast Club, and it, or I mean, no. uh, um, uh, Ferris Bueller. Oh yeah, Ferris yeah Bueller. oh my god, yeah. I completely <laughs> forgot about that. What an amazing job, an amazing performance, and. <laughs> no. I have never fucking laughed. I remember seeing that as a kid, and I was dying, dying. Thirty laughing. seconds of screen time, and it's like the biggest Stole movie star in the world. Stole yeah. the show for that thirty seconds. Stole, they absolutely. could have made a movie about that, about the two of them. Yeah, and the part is, uh, you know, it's it's Ferris's sister. She's going to jail, and uh, she sees him in there on a bench, and he's like clearly going to jail. And he's like, you want some drugs? And then he says something about, like, he knows Ferris, like, somehow. She's like, if you say fucking Ferris Bueller right now. And he's like, oh, yeah, that's my homie, you know? Like, it was a great part. I loved it. A part he, of me... Charlie uh, said he... Go ahead. Sorry. Charlie said he actually stayed up for, like, four days straight to do that part. <laughs> it looks like it. Yeah, for 30 seconds of screen time. It looks like it. It's so funny. I was going to say, he looks like he just ran... I don't know when the timing of these movies was shot, but it looks like he was on set for Major League, and then he just ran over to a Might different have. lot to go do this, you know, cameo, and then yeah. run back. Yeah. I, I have a lot of questions about Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yeah. I think it's one of the most peculiar movies I've ever seen. Yeah, absolutely. I I, I struggle with that movie, whether or not I like it. He's an honest. absolute psychopath. He's a horrible person. Like, he is, he is deranged. He's a deranged man who should be like... <laughs> he, he should be in jail. He should be skipping school to go to therapy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that was sort of this is the whole thing about John Hughes is again it's a very controversial subject John Hughes was a grown ass man making a lot of movies about teenagers fucking and like teen- and it was they're all good movies and they all yeah, abs- um, absolutely actually capture teenage he's probably spirit. I mean it, it, they don't strike me as weird it strikes me more as like he is drawing from his youth yeah and, and exactly. putting it into For these sure. movies I yeah agree. i agree with that i, I love his movies so mm-hmm. but yeah ferris peeler's tail off is a weird one for sure <laughs> um i'm watching uh succession right now oh succession's with, great uh, so good and that guy from ferris bueller now he's all yeah gray fox now man yeah yeah, yeah but uh but yeah and also uh roman is macaulay culkin's brother Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kieran Culkin. That's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, he's so good, dude. I love Kieran Roman Culkin. Yeah. So another fabulous actor. If you guys haven't Absolutely. seen uh, Igby Goes Down, I highly recommend it. Have you okay. guys ever heard of that movie? No, I haven't oh seen a ton God. of his work, and I fucking love him now. Like, I've yeah. got to see more of this guy, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I didn't know he existed until Succession. I, honestly, this might be, uh, what I don't know, maybe, I think he's a better actor than his brother. I do. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think McCauley's yeah. great, but I, you know, he's Kieran just is like a real actor. Yeah, McCauley's just fell done off. more work. Yeah, I'll say it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Kieran's just like still. Yeah, he's so, still practicing, still doing it. That makes ev- sense. Everybody, go watch Igby Goes Down. It's a 2002 independent film, Sundance, but then got distributed, starring Kieran Culkin, but also listen to the rest of this cast: Jeff Goldblum, Amanda wow. Pete, Claire Danes, Ryan Felipe, and Susan Sarandon. Wow. wow. Bunch Holy of other shit. goods. It's awesome. It's about um, this like really rich, well-to-do kid who is trying to figure stuff out and is getting sent to boarding school, but then runs away and goes to like 
you know, live homeless off of a bunch of rich friends and family and stuff in New York. And it's kind of like this self-examination of what it's like to be there in that time and those situations. But really great. He, Kieran does a fabulous job in it. So does everybody else. That's awesome, man. Yeah. He, uh, I I saw his SNL recently too, where he hosted SNL. It was really funny. He was, he was great. I I, I missed that one. I wanted to see it though. He shows around to it. He shows a clip of him as he was probably like eight years old on SNL, uh, his brother was hosting when his brother was still a kid, when Home Alone was coming out. He was promoting Home Alone. They let childhood host SNL one year? Yeah, yeah. One year a child hosted SNL. I mean, they arguably, they still do yeah uh, yeah that's very true <laughs> but yeah john hughes uh his body of work it was huge he did uh like we were talking about i mean he did the breakfast club he did pretty in pink ferris bueller um he did like you were saying you know planes trains and automobiles and home alone was one of john hughes's that he wrote but he didn't direct um he he used this abandoned high school in Chicago as a studio that he would make all these movies in. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. To, 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 to set the vibes. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Weren't we just saying how it's a little weird that he makes, you know, movies about teenagers <laughs> fucking? And then I didn't think it was weird until you just told me he set up his production house in a high he, school. Home uh, Alone was all filmed in an old abandoned high school. The oh. whole thing. He would set up classrooms as his production offices, and the gym was a soundstage. In the gym, he would build millions of dollars of sets in the old school gym, and you had the art department was in down the hall and classroom, whatever. And Whoa, the, that's, yeah. that's cool. It, I, it, it seems it's, like it would work really well. It sets the vibes. Very efficient. Yeah, yeah, I think it sets the vibes. Yeah. Like it's, uh, you know, I, it's it's immersive. It's immersive creativity. Yeah. And it's, at least it was abandoned. Yeah. I shot a fucking show once that was like this shoestring budget show for Hulu, and we filmed in a high school during session. We were acting in hallways with real high school kids That's walking around us. Bizarre. Pissed, by the way, that we were there. They yeah, were not I'd imagine. Happy. They were like, I'm just trying to get to my locker, and there's a director in front of it. It wasn't great. Well, yeah, I, I mean, it's. If um, a grip or a PA ever got shoved into a locker over that <laughs> Not a grip. I would never try to <laughs> shove a grip. Yeah. Great man's got grip the lumberjack would be doing look. The <laughs> but, uh, dude, John Hughes, this is. This is so inspirational, but I also don't know if it's a great idea for the common person to try. You know, there's two different ways that people write, right? Like, the way that people write scripts. Mm -hmm. uh, Sometimes it takes you ten years to write a script. Sometimes it may take a month. It depends. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, however long it takes. John Hughes, his whole thing, he would write a script in a weekend. He'd start on Friday, be done by Sunday, send it in for notes. Interesting. And Home Alone was written in two days. The entire script, and I, yeah. I can I can understand that because it's like it, he dev, it's it's probably his process is when he has an idea the whole idea is just already in his head yeah. and he's just like it's it's if it's one of those things that if it takes him longer than that to figure it out he probably doesn't have a strong stuff, yeah he probably doesn't yeah. have a strong hold on the idea I too. yeah like, I'm more of a put this down for a few days guy mm-hmm. but also I absolutely I wish I were that type it really I, depends I, would, yeah. I mean there's some stuff that like I've written that I really have to like think about and stuff, but yeah. some of my favorite things I've written, I write it like almost in one sitting. Right. Like, yeah. Uh, and I mean, that's a good way to do it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, just get it I over, mean, get it out. Let's be honest. Uh, Home Alone's story isn't, you know, 
the most complicated intellectual story. Right, yeah, he's not writing. For sure. He's not writing That's Inception. That's very true. And but like Inception took eight years. Yeah, he's not writing Inception. But like Ferris Bueller took him six days. And I mean, it's not exactly complicated, but that might also be the reason for some of the darkness of Ferris Bueller. Because <laughs> I mean, six days straight. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. you know, look here on film history, we like to talk about the old <laughs> Coca now and then, but it just—I <laughs> don't know. I, I have no idea. He's John Hughes just, doesn't strike me as a drug guy by any means, but he's just man, seriously, right? The computer and then Ferris says, then, You can never go too far. <laughs> you can never go too far, Ferris. I would love to, because somebody cut a little bit out of Ferris Bueller. I just know it. I'd love to see, like, they're like, Ferris, you can't have him. There can't be a man tied up in the basement, you know, and that was never established, you know. Like, Ferris is like, Yeah, don't stop. He, he just don't turns stop. to camera and he's just like, don't mind that. Ignore that. Moving on. And just like, this is the part where Ferris makes the principal think that the girl's fucking her father. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. And the, the, the principal doesn't follow up. Well, it's just like, what a, he says way. this, what a weird family. Yeah. What, yes. like, what a different well, age. <laughs> that's not the proper response to you. You're a man, a, a student at your high school's father pulls up and starts making out with her. And you're like, none of my business. Different strokes. Different so, for different folks. It's no wonder our generation is screwed up because not only did our parents' generation think that that was just like an acceptable behavior move for a principal, they also thought it was totally <laughs> acceptable to put that in a movie for children. Yeah, 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 absolutely. This is for the kids. Look, this is what we do, though. We ask questions. No one had ever asked the Terminator why the fuck those parents didn't just ask, like, can we... Talk about this? Yeah. Should we go find him? You know, like, I, yeah. I, I have. Should we be looking for him? I got a premonition <laughs> that we're going to encounter several of those instances in today's episode. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're going to encounter a lot of that today. Yeah, I'm going to wrap it up here with John Hughes just telling you a little bit about him because I, we got to get in. This episode is on Ferris Bueller? Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. But no, no Ferris Bueller. Today we're going to be talking about the king of Christmas, John Hughes, because this man also did Christmas Vacation, by the way. Oh, he Home did the Alone Vacation and movies? Christmas Vacation. He did one of them. Okay. Yeah, or I don't know how many of the vacations he did, but he, he did Christmas Vacation. I love the vacation movies. And, uh, yeah, and Chris, Chris Columbus as well. He directed, it was John Hughes and Chris Columbus, and they direct, produced, wrote, and directed Home Alone and Christmas Vacation. Well, what what else has uh, Christopher Columbus done? He has done quite a lot, but he also... Last of the Mohicans, yeah, and also yeah. uh, Pocahontas, <laughs> and Dances with Wolves, and... <laughs> yes, actually, we're going to leave it at that. Yes, that's what he's done. <laughs> Ah, that was so funny. The the one with Colin Farrell, the real Pocahontas movie. Yeah. Uh, but dude, talk about fucking mailbox money every year, man. You did Home Alone and Christmas Vacation. Every yeah. year those guys are like, we take off from doing anything at all around yeah. September. Because, I mean, there's no telling. There's, these checks that come yeah. in are millions. Only, only getting, make Christmas movies. Yeah. Well, that's like getting a guaranteed Christmas present for the rest of your life. Yeah. 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 And I, that we, so I did a show back in the day. Big shout out to my buddy Marcus Laporte over there at Rooster Teeth holding it down. We did a very short-lived show on YouTube called Down in Front. And uh, Marcus is like this legendary props and effects guy. He worked with Robert Rodriguez for a while. Cool. So, yeah, he made a Predator for Predator, and he made the gun leg for Death Proof. Oh, wow. Yeah, oh, yeah. Cool. He was like, he was really doing shit. And uh, 
basically down in front was this show where we would watch a movie and he would tell me about how they made certain effects, mm. you know? And we did Home Alone because it was a very effect-heavy movie. And he was yeah. telling me how they actually would have done this and done that. Really interesting, uh, I thought. Of course, YouTube took it down because we were putting entire movies on YouTube. Right. But, yeah. you know, that didn't that worked for a while back in the Wild West days of YouTube. Right, but yeah, now yeah, yeah. never. But uh, so I actually did a lot of research already for this thing. But, um, dude, we would get, like, thousands more views every Christmas. We'd have videos that didn't have anything. But this Home Alone one, every Christmas, people said they would watch it with their families and what? shit. Christmas material yeah. is bank forever. Yeah. That is the, that if you are making it in the industry in any sort of way and you sell anything Christmas-related... You're good. Your grandkids are good. You know? Wow. Yeah, it's interesting, man. That's just, it, everybody's with their family. The old tradition is we whip out Home Alone and Christmas Vacation, and it gets watched. You know, what other mm -hmm. type of movie that you can, that, mm -hmm. you know, I, there are movies absolutely that get watched every year, but few and far between. Yeah. These Christmas ones get yeah. plays every year. I mean. That's true. Christmas Vacation came out in 1989. Wow. Every year people watch that just as much as they did in 1992, yeah. you know? Yeah, and I mean, I I love watching Christmas movies. It doesn't matter the quality. Like, there's a, a every year, whatever the new Christmas movie is on Netflix or HBO, yeah. like, I watch that yeah. regardless of the quality. Yeah. I'm it's like, guys, Christmas. we're watching this Christmas we're movie. We're doing it. Yes. <laughs> Everyone shut up about <laughs> politics for two oh, yeah. hours. Yeah. We're going to have some fucking Christmas cheer. <laughs> and I'm going to pour about three three parts whiskey and one part eggnog. <laughs> I've never had eggnog. I, I don't have an oh, interest. It good. sounds gross. It's good. I don't want to drink eggs. It's very good. But again, it, I, I had it at 11 years old. Is it? But know, like, I, you know, like mayonnaise. It's like I, no, it's I don't. Like I don't if you poured mayonnaise into a mug. Yeah, that sounds fire. That for sounds a couple fucking seconds. awful. I've never had mayonnaise either. It just, just doesn't. It's not an appealing You've never idea. Never had mayonnaise. No, yeah, it's not an bullshit. appealing idea what? for a food. How have you never have. I don't. I can't believe that you never got mayonnaise I, I, okay. on a sandwich by accident. I have <laughs> had. I have had pasta salad or uh, egg salad or oh. something, which I believe there's mayonnaise in egg, that. But yep. I've never just there's eggnog in that. I've never just <laughs> added. I've never just had it by itself. I've never just added, been like, I, you know what this sandwich needs is mayonnaise. Like, no, it's, it's I, a gross looking food. I it smells eggnog. weird. I don't like it. I love eggnog, but also it is like uh, a meal in a glass. Oh, like, yeah, gross. <laughs> oh, yeah, man, you pour a little whiskey in there. You don't even feel the drunk. It's great, man. You'd love it. <laughs> but I did this one. I did this episode a little bit differently. For because for one, you know, I'm keeping this just chill. This is holiday vibes. I mean, we're gonna get into some darker territory, but oh, still cool. holiday vibes. Uh, but there's just I feel like everyone has seen this, so mm -hmm. I'm going to re I'm gonna get into the plot, mm -hmm. but I'm gonna I'm gonna glaze over it because okay. I'm just gonna tell you more about how this was made, how cool. it was, you yeah. know, stuff like that. Um, and yeah, some you know some people. Maybe haven't seen this in a while. Like I said, I just feel like that's few and far between. Everybody watches Home Alone. Every single year. Every single year. And uh, But I, I'll give you a brief summary of what it's about, and then we'll dive into the guts of the movie, just like the Sticky Bandits wanted to do to Kevin. You know, <laughs> dive into his guts. <laughs> and I, Can I do a short, concise, three-point summary of Home Alone? Sure, 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 sure. It's pretty reasonable to say, you know, if you want to describe the plot, you go, 
Family leaves kid. Boom. Kid defends home from intruders with toys. Family comes back home. There you go. Yeah, 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 yeah. You got it. That's the three-part structure. No doubt about it. That's yeah. why John Hughes only took two days to write this thing. <laughs> I, feel like I, um, I feel like two days is too much. Like I think I could have knocked this out in an afternoon. I mean, I, so I... I remember the, the 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 fun part of this movie, which is defending it with with homemade yeah. traps. I remember yeah. that being like half this movie. It's like fifteen minutes. It's yeah. really short. Yeah, it really is. It There's really way is. too much him just at the house alone. Man, look, I, it, I look. It is like it is like Deb said. It is the 1990 gigantic hit Christmas film that warmed all of our hearts for an eight year old boy in Chicago who's forgotten and abandoned by his terrible parents and almost brutally murdered in a home invasion. You know? <laughs> Is that the IMDb description? No, nah, that's mine. <laughs> that's the one I wrote for be. it. It should be. I'm gonna I'm gonna update I'm gonna uh, upload it to IMDb and yeah. see if Let's they have go edit the Wikipedia. For all you guys listening out there, go ahead to Wikipedia, make your own edits. <laughs> he must defend his, his household and defend his family. Family <laughs> But don't worry, this isn't your average fucking kid. While most children would have just been slaughtered and gutted by two <laughs> Chicago street thugs, Kevin, <laughs> Kevin uses several <laughs> Kevin uses some very early developed killer instincts and fashions household items into deadly traps and absolutely fucks these dudes up. Some would some would say to a point of kind of enjoying it. You know? uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like also, they just came to the wrong house. These guys would have died yeah, multiple, yes, times. multiple times. There are many death traps oh in this. Oh my god! These... I should have. We should have had Nick on as a guest because Nick and I always have this discussion of whether or not Kevin McAllister is like an absolute monster murder. Oh, no, he is. He's a psychopath. (laughs) I mean, these guys, there's, I I remember last time I watched it, I counted, I was like, that would have been a death shot right there. That (laughs) would have been like, He's yeah. dead. As I mean, my dad and I used to watch too, it. If your family just left you for the holidays and oh, totally didn't anyone who comes in that house is dead. Yo, also, what does his dad do for a living? So he's a day trader. And his oh. mom his mom is in the fashion industry oh. somewhere or the other. They're, so like, they're just rich. They're Chicago fuck. fucking one percenters. Yeah, like they okay. are like multi, multi millionaires in nineteen ninety. Okay, Very yeah. For yeah, very. Yeah, yeah. You know, when you get a, when you get left home alone in your parents' mansion, you know. <laughs> yeah. Although I will say, a, a more more rich white parent type of shit to leave mm. your kid at home alone and just get on a whole ass plane. Yeah, still, yeah, yeah. You know? That is it's very like, true. Oh, we forgot one. <laughs> uh, man, yeah. Like also. Yeah, you fuck the head count up, but at no point in the trip do you ever notice that like one of your kids isn't there saying anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like yes. arguably the biggest troublemaker and most annoying and vocal one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. The one that you all hate the most. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the most annoying kid. Your Can't least you favorite child. The, I imagine they'd be sitting around the terminal and be like, "God damn, it's quiet." What the fuck is? Kevin, man, I, my cousin probably doesn't listen to this. He's like, I, I don't know. He's not the podcast type, but Kevin was my cousin, man. My cousin was like the Mountain Dew guzzling 10-year-old who everyone was like, please calm down. Please stop saying that like you're going to kill us all. You know? I, had, but, uh, I mean, I didn't chug Mountain Dew, but that was me. I mean, my family... 
Everybody, the instead of sheep. saying, it was like, what's her name? The, the mom, she turns to the camera all, at, often and just goes, Kevin! You know, Kevin! in that big eyes. Yeah. It was the That's running the joke. She said when she for, fucking forgot him. Yeah, yeah. It was the running joke in the family for everyone to just do Devin around Devin! the holidays at every fucking <laughs> Christmas event. That's hilarious. <laughs> but yeah, Kevin's entire rich family is going to Paris for Christmas to... You know, escape the peasants in Chicago. They're going to get away, go have a big family trip. And, uh, and there's 10,000 of them. There's 10,000 of them. <laughs> and and you're talk- what we're looking into as well is like a rich family during the George H.W. Bush era. You know, mm. like this was one of the cheapest times to live and one of the most money-making. The economy was mm. booming. Mm. To say what you will about old George H.W., but, you know, the economy was singing. There's no doubt. <laughs> And we these people just take were notes. part of it. We should just let the CIA run the economy more often. <laughs> <laughs> we were coming out of the 80s. We had just driven this, like, unstoppable cocaine train, you know, <laughs> and now all these people had made it, and we, I, cocaine figured it out. You know, cocaine <laughs> figured out our economy, and we were doing well. Now there's all that fentanyl shit, and that's why we're so bad. Yeah. It was like, the government was like, oh, economy's doing bad, war and drug Let's, dealing. War time, yeah. <laughs> time to go to the Middle East again. But uh, <laughs> Solves all our problems. <laughs> so, yeah, oh, and the McAllisters, they're leaving their mansion with uh, the, the, the thousand people that they bought tickets for, and they're taking a first-class flight to Paris. They put the kids in coach. The kids uh-huh. ride coach, but the adults are riding first class, getting like mm-hmm. shrimp fed into their mouths by peasants and stuff. <laughs> They're like fanning them, you know, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the shirtless dudes. Yeah. And uh <laughs> but yeah, the lore says he was a success a successful day trader. That's okay. Did they ever mention that in the movie? I don't I don't know when they say it. I don't know how people know this. Mm-hmm. Maybe it came up later on in a in a in an in interview or something, yeah. or in an interview, or yeah, because there was a lot of stuff that was cut out of the script. There's an interesting one about Uncle Frank, the really mean mm-hmm. uncle. In the original script that John Hughes wrote, uh, he was behind the robbery. In the original script, Uncle Frank hired the Sticky Bandits mm. to hit the house, and he was going to get a take. He was going to oh. get like back, and he was having his brother fucking robbed. Yeah, and I guess Chris Columbus was like, "That's not super Christmassy. Yeah, let's just tell a home invasion story instead." <laughs> like, you know? yeah. That's too <laughs> relatable. Too <laughs> relatable. <laughs> He's like, I, I, I'd rather just do a B and E. Yeah, I'd rather just do a B and E and try to kill a kid. Yeah, know? they were trying to murder Kevin. By the way, he literally Joe Pesci. <laughs> multiple times said as soon as I catch him I'm fucking killing him that's what he kept saying so if you uh, you want to do a reversal inflation calculator I have a number on how much that flight costs oh yeah do it yeah let's do the inflation calculation uh, if you go 1990 to take 15 tickets from Chicago to Paris at Christmas 11 coach and four first class uh, totals to an, a low estimate now, depending on fluctuating prices, is $35,320 one way. And that's nowadays price or 1990? No, no, no. 1990s price. Oh, my Lord. Whoa, can you run that through the inflation that's calculator? That's got to be like 50, 60 grand. The old inflation. Is, ca- I mean, I think yeah. it's, it's at least I think it's double. 50, if not, I think it's fifty. Triple. Yeah, it's like double. It's like fifty. Wow. 
Holy shit, these people are that rich. That's crazy. 50 grand for a Christmas vacation. Type That's just to get there. That's just to get there. That's yeah, like kind of no, the hotel. Oh, yeah, you saw their hotel. They're, yeah. they're staying I in, mean, like, the King's Castle. They dropped Castle, 100 you know? grand on that trip. They dropped 100 sure. grand on that trip. There's no doubt. That's, That's the crazy. interesting part, man. These are, like, rich people. Yeah. No wonder they have such like, a psycho little kid. Why <laughs> yeah. Why they... Well, also, if they're so rich, couldn't they just, you know, like, call a nanny or an assistant to, like, go the fuck <laughs> yeah. over the house? Dude, they called the cops the chicago pd yeah. was like i don't know he's not here <laughs> like, you're not gonna do anything else okay i mean he, she had trouble even getting the cops to go out there she's like my kid's home alone the cops are like uh, yeah so what was yeah. he gonna eat some pizza you yeah know? and she's like no i think two men are trying to murder him they're like yeah that happens in chicago every day hey, hey hey look <laughs> We're the police. We don't we don't stop crime. We just investigate afterwards and then come up cold. Man, this is not Minority Report. If no crime has happened yet, we don't do nothing. All right. Look, call, after call the me crime after is, the murder. Yeah, after the murder's done, call we'll me. we'll look into who maybe did it. Chicago PD, call me after the murder. That's our logo, man. <laughs> 1990 Chicago PD. Not Chicago PD. I'd like to visit Chicago one day. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> On the side of their cars, instead of protect and serve, it says, call me after the murder. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> So yeah, so they're gonna go on this big ass fifty thousand uh, dollar flight the next morning, and the whole fucking family is at the house the night before because yeah. they're gonna get up in the morning and all go to the airport, you know. And it's this like, of course, Kevin is being put in like the pee bed with his cousin who pees the bed. Oh yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Kevin, you little shit, you get to sleep with your your piss cousin, you know. <laughs> Develop that piss kink early, buddy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they tell him like, there's a hundred percent chance you're gonna get pissed on, yeah. and he does. By the way, Kevin gets full pissed on by his cousin during the night, and he's not asleep. Let me, he's witnessing let me ask the whole you thing. Guys, from from gentleman to gentleman, what would you do? If if your cousin pissed on you in the bed, or if you were in that situation, I mean, if he's sleeping, uh, I just I get up every year, take a shower. Uh, every what? year, it's it's time to he's gonna sleep on the floor. That's like, what I'm saying. Yeah, Why would you ever allow that motherfucker to sleep? I'd be like, this is my house. You're he was a little yeah. bit bigger than Kevin, though. You know, Kevin's yeah. a scrawny ass little kid. He's gonna have to. He it needs to get in the boxing ring and start learning some. Yeah, moves. I mean, not that he's not an efficient killer. Yeah, he we needs find to. Out. He needs to set up a he torture trap. A contraption, dude. Yeah. Macaulay Culkin grew up to be Jigsaw. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna mention that. Yeah, okay, yeah. That. So yeah. is this like the? the the piss kid comes in one year, and there's just a uh, there's a VHS he has to slip in. He's like, had, he filmed, "Would you like to play a game?" He filmed, you know, his little camcorder yeah, he carries yeah. around. He filmed every like time he pissed on him. He yeah. filmed it. He's just got a tape of it rolling in yeah. the background as he's like, "You're you're trapped in this bed. You have to cut off your own pisser, yeah, something like that." <laughs> so the the tank that you're in is going to be filled with piss, <laughs> drowning you. The only way to stop it is to cut off your own wiener. Cut off your own dude. <laughs> Family. Family. <laughs> but yeah, the beginning of the movie, they kind of just sell off Kevin as like this piece of shit kid. You know, they put him with the piss kid. And there's a <laughs> there's a big ruckus that happens in the kitchen. Totally his uncle's fault. His dickhead uncle, who now we know is probably behind the robbery in the first place. <laughs> But a bunch of Coca-Cola spills all over their pizza that they got, and Kevin ruins the day again. Everybody literally looks at him and is like, good job, Kevin, you piece of shit. You've done it again, you know? 
kid needs serious therapy. This like, is an abusive no household. Yeah, this is an. I Kevin needs to be picked up by the Chicago CPS. <laughs> you know, probably put into the system. But not really. He's living in a rich house. He'll be fine. He'll but, uh, just he'll just grow up to be like a psychopathic day trader <laughs> like his dad. By the way, the price of pizza in this movie hasn't changed all that much. Interesting. It was uh it was now it has a little it was ten bucks a pizza. They got That's 12, low. That's low. I mean, nowadays well, it depends where like you get it. Yeah, it depends what where you get you it from. About? It's like twenty bucks for a pizza delivered now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, my my Thanksgiving pizza was thirty five for pickup. Oh my god! Yeah. Well, not back in these days. It was ten bucks a pizza. It's one hundred twenty dollars for twelve pizzas, okay. and nobody would pay this fucking guy. He's sitting downstairs with all the pizzas. Yeah. He's got twelve pizzas in his hand. Got more deliveries to make, and everybody just. They eat the pizza before mm-hmm. they go pay the guy. They eat the whole the whole family mm-hmm. sits down around the dinner and he's still in the like lobby of their mansion. Yeah, yeah. he's like, he's like anyone... sorry, I spent all the money on this fucking airplane. <laughs> yeah, we just spent fifty grand on a trip, kid. We don't have any money left. <laughs> that was my day trade yesterday. <laughs> um, <laughs> I just shorted GameStop. <laughs> my Dogecoin just hit. <laughs> But, uh, so yeah, the pizza guy's still standing there waiting for his money, uh, but also, the man standing next to him is Joe Pesci, but he's dressed as a Chicago police officer. Oh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Joe, and he's, uh, there's a lot of parts of this movie where John Hughes, I don't quite know if he's ever, uh, seen how cops work, or seen, uh, if he knows anything about the law or anything, but this cop just walks in, he walks into the house, and he's like, "Oh, I'm just, I'm just checking on people." It's like, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't think cops do that. Yeah, you know? I don't think, I don't think, yeah, I, people would react too well if they did without a warrant. Yeah, just, you know? just walk in here, just walk on in. Hey, we got a lot of cocaine pa- in this house. Yeah. I'm a day, I'm a day trader. <laughs> <laughs> I work on Wall Street, buddy. But then you call them later, and you're like, "My kid is at home alone." And they're like, ah, "Not our problem. <laughs> no, I mean, we don't want to go all the way out there." You know? <laughs> But <laughs> but spoiler alert, Joe Pesci is not an actual cop. He's he's casing the joint, you know. Uh, yeah, but he tell he tells mom McAllister he's just making his rounds, checking on everybody, you know. <laughs> and, uh, and then she, I'm she, just here to investigate nice houses. <laughs> and she she tells him like, no, we're all good. We're just getting ready to go on a trip tomorrow. So she's telling him now yeah. where they're going. We're we're gonna be out of the house tomorrow, you know, yeah. if you wanna rob us. Or yeah, whatever. we've done all everything you're supposed to do. I put all my jewelry in the <laughs> safe upstairs. The code's nine five six zero. Yeah, if you need to check on it, yeah. here's the code. Yeah, you know, yeah, if you wanna come check on the jewelry. I'm, I'm sure all Chicago PD cops have a gold tooth. That's the thing, man. He flashes he flashes this like shit eating smile at her and this gold tooth like bing. And it's like I would immediately be like, You're not a cop. Get the fuck Every out time. of here. Well, he did that same thing to Kevin when they were like in the van or whatever, and Kevin's on the street on his bicycle. He's like, Merry Christmas. And he smiles and it goes ding and it like reflects so and Kevin's scary. like ah! and he gets terrified and he runs away. So scary, just two two grown Chicago like grease balls in a, in a windowless van and a kid Especially, riding by on his bicycle and then they're like hey kid wow is you <laughs> home like alone are you home alone hey <laughs> you like getting pissed on <laughs> again you think your cousin could piss I'm a grown skis ball I got a lot of piss in me from the big house <laughs> oh my silly used to piss on me too <laughs> 
You uh, ever been pissed on by a man with kidney stones, kid? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Deb just, just said, um. <laughs> oh. <God. laughs> Oops. I mean, I thought if we were going to talk about getting pissed on, it was going to be for Home Alone 2, you know, in light of our star. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's hilarious. Yes. And uh, yeah, that's good. That's good. Oh, Donnie T. Where are the piss tapes, Donnie? <laughs> but, um, but yeah, she's the pee tapes. <laughs> but yeah, Mom, Mama Callister basically said the sticky bandits are good to go. We're going to be gone tomorrow. Don't worry about it. And uh, so the family all goes to the airport, a fucking convoy to the airport. And, you know, like I said, I'm sure everybody's seen this. Uh, they had messed up the head count at one point, they're counting all the kids. And the little shit from the neighbor, the neighbor kids is over there bothering people. And he's wearing the same hat as Kevin, and he's, like, turned around. Mm -hmm. So they just count him. Who cares? It's just fucking Kevin. I'm not going to make sure it's him, you know. (laughs) And uh, fucking who, if we forget him, whatever. But uh, so they think they've counted Kevin, but they have not, Mm -hmm. you know. And they are... All the way, like, into the plane, flying in the air, in first class, eating their shrimp and drinking champagne. And mom's like, I feel like I forgot something, <laughs> you know? I feel like... And then the dad, he's like, ah, he probably just forgot to close the garage door. By the way... Which, that's a big not deal, great. too. No, that's, that's a huge deal. Also, they did forget to close the garage door, and now their child's in the house. <laughs> so... Great parenting all around here that's going on. You know, I I'm, I think mom and dad maybe need to, like, like like Dev said, hire a nanny. Like yeah. You're clearly too rich to take care of these kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> also, it's like you're not concerned at all about the possibility of someone breaking in if you left the garage door open. Right, right. Like... And the sticky bandits are so dumb they don't use the garage. But you know, you don't know that. Um, but, they uh, thought it was a wall. They didn't think it was a <laughs> like Looney Tunes. And yeah, and these sticky bandits. By the way, this is Joe Pesci. He plays Harry, and Daniel Stern plays Marv. And it's just a. It is like a clinic on acting. These guys are fan fucking tastic in this movie. They're just these like slimy Chicago dudes uh, called the, the they call themselves the the no I'm sorry they're not the Sticky Bandits yet fuck they're the Wet Bandits in this one the Sticky mm. Bandits is Home Alone too ah it's the Wet okay. Bandits for this one people have been yelling at me for thirty minutes now but we yeah. can't change it now no, we they're can't the Wet audio. <laughs> they're the Wet Bandits because they'll rob a house and Marv will go in there and turn on the water in their sink oh. and flood their bathroom just yeah. to, just for insult to injury and just cause Massive, massive amounts of water massive damage, damage when he could have just fucking left. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which don't they get them at the end? They're like, Send, and now we're gonna get you for all the like yeah. water damage. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which it doesn't. You know, they're back out for Home Alone too. Oh, know? really? It's the same they didn't guys? really. Get, yeah, same oh. guys. They didn't. And that's the fun part about Home Alone too is it is like they're like, holy fucking shit, it's that kid. <laughs> like, we're in New York now, and it's that fucking kid, you know? It's really funny. But yeah, they're the wet bandits, and they drive around in their work van and rob rich people's houses. And Harry has all these rich people on the block go on vacation. They don't stay home for Christmas. You know, everybody flies out. And Harry has figured out this... Uh, he has figured out that they all have their lights on a timer in front of their house, their Christmas lights. 
And so he times the robberies by the lights. Mm. And like when one goes on, I guess he knows like I don't know. I I don't know how it exactly. doesn't make sense. It, it doesn't sounds make sense. like it was written in a weekend. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it doesn't make sense. He times his robberies by the Christmas lights. It was a fun idea, but I don't know how exactly logistically that works. But he's like, I'm going to wait until there's more light on the house. You know, maybe that's it. They can see inside when they're in there. Yeah, I don't know. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then everyone's like, well, there's people walk around in there, so they must be home. It can't possibly be a, a, a robbing if, person. If no one's home, who's going to see you? If none of the other houses have anybody in them, who's going to fucking report Just you? go ham. Just go ham like 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 the Purge style up in here. Just, you know, who cares? Just blatant fucking B&Es, man. Gotta, Let's do this thing. got to have a gimmick. <laughs> but yeah, and that, and Joe Pesci's like, we're also we're going to hit the McAllister house. They're gone. You know, mm-hmm. he's talking about that's their next big take. And uh, by the way, Joe Pesci for this, he, uh, he had to invent that... Like a whole new language for himself, basically. Whenever he's doing the like, fracking, fracking, fracking. Oh, yeah, yeah, He's yeah. trying not to say fuck. Like, right, he learned yeah. to say fuck. Martin Scorsese, he worked with him so long that Scorsese basically said, like, if you're having trouble with a line, just put fuck in it a bunch. <laughs> and so Joe Pesci's whole acting method was just to, like, say fuck in the middle of shit. <laughs> also, Joe Pesci is a thespian, man. This guy's like a real fucking actor. This dude was like a big like theater actor as well. Yeah, Joe yeah. Pesci, we should probably do an episode on Joe Pesci Absolutely. because his yeah. early life was very uh interesting and crazy and like before he became famous, he had like mob ties and all kinds Whoa. of stuff like wow. Oh yeah, yeah, he he's legit. He actually was going to quit acting um, for a, for a while, and then came and like because he was doing a theater actor, he wasn't successful, and he was gonna forget what other job it was, but to go work some other regular mundane like blue collar job, and wow. yeah. uh, Robert De Niro begged him to come be a part of of making movies again, and like you know Man. it was like come on, it? so it, it's a cool story. We'll get into it. Wow, yeah, yeah, that's, that's fascinating. fascinating. Dude, he is a, he's such he's one of my favorites. He's so enigmatic like i i don't know anything about him really mm-hmm. and i i always felt like he maybe isn't the type that he plays in every movie but he also might be you know yeah. either way is fine with me but yeah. I, he's just some he's someone that i don't know much about yeah you know? and i love watching yeah. him i watched casino and goodfellas i've probably seen it 50 yeah. times each you yeah know? he's great he's amazing Joe Pesci I'm, I'm surprised he did probably... his family movie to be honest yeah yeah well i mean it makes sense you put yeah. a stereotype in a in a odd you know character and well and he had worked with he had worked with daniel stern as well uh before he had worked on a movie before mm. and it was more of a like uh it, it was more it was nothing like an italian mob type of thing he mm. worked on like a drama with daniel stern where he didn't use his like yeah you know yeah, yeah. Hey, oh, oh he was from jay-z Joe he's still um, he's, he's still out there he's just retired now he's retired but, oh yeah uh, he was uh, he began as a barber that's wow. what his first job Whoa. was. Oh my god! Yeah, because wasn't it? It was like, a and huge he was a, no. So he was a barber, but then he was in a barbershop quartet as a singer. Wow, that's and right. He did was a like singer. a comedy duo, and it that's was very right. like Abbott Costelloy, Don Ricklesy, and the early late sixties, early seventies. That's right, because he was a kid actor. Yeah, yes. he was a child actor, like Macaulay Culkin. But uh, oh really? Yeah. I wonder oh. if he talked. He had to have had that. Well, yeah. actually, they weren't talking much. He was trying to not talk to Macaulay Culkin. 
because he was trying to like be scarier to the oh, kid. Oh right, you know? yeah, yeah. Um, but also, I mean, yeah, he's retired because wasn't it a huge deal that he came back for yeah, um, huge deal? Yeah, that he like came... the king returns. Right, yeah. yeah, for, yeah what yeah, was yeah. that movie called? The book is We Paint Houses. Right, Dev. What is this movie called? The... the Irishman. The, the Irishman. Irishman. Yeah, I heard you yeah, paint yeah. houses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a better title. The book was good. I haven't. I, I've seen a little bit of the movie. The movie's good. It's yeah. just the book was really good. Everybody but, uh, out there should go listen to Michael Francis' YouTube channel where he breaks down that movie. It's great. Michael Francis is an ex-mobster of the New York mob. Yeah. Of the, I didn't know he had a podcast. Yeah, he's got a podcast, YouTube. Really great channel now. He's, he's very excited. He is obviously legally released and let out. Right. But uh, he goes through and he's like, yo, I was there. This guy was a part of my crew. It didn't happen like this. But it was really good acting. And I really like Bobrezzi in this moment. That's, That's awesome. so funny That's amazing, that this dude. guy, ex-gangster, now YouTuber. Yeah. I love it. Like, I'm really popular and yeah. very entertaining, very articulate, very smart. I, I love I enjoy it. Show. I highly recommend people go watch Michael Francis. Wow. Anyway, so uh, I, I had the broad tied up and I <laughs> shot him in the head. Anyway, that's all the time we have today. Make sure you like and subscribe. <laughs> like and subscribe. Uh, and uh, to fu- go to my Patreon, follow me on Twitters. <laughs> I watched one. I can't remember who or did else. it. Or else. I can't remember who did the video, but they got a, uh, a real diamond heist guy, like the biggest diamond diamond thief in the world and he watched the grand theft auto diamond heist uh-huh. <laughs> he watched someone play it and he's <laughs> like what are these guys what are you what, this is crazy you're <laughs> on the roof in the middle of the day it's like you know, it's really good but uh, uh <laughs> so yeah so <laughs> back to cagney <laughs> so uh the wet bandits break into the house but find out that kevin's there kevin catches them and even they're like wow like they just left their fucking kid? Like, who are these people? Like, these people are bad people, you know? And they just left their kid. I mean, we rob houses, but uh, these people, this is the real problem with America, yeah. you know? And uh, so the first thing Kevin does to ward them off is he plays... He, he His favorite gangster movie is this movie called Angels with Filthy Souls, and we're about to get into it right now because... Is that a real movie? It was not a real movie. It was based on... Angels with Dirty Faces? Angels with Dirty Faces, starring James Cagney <laughs> in 1938. The man, the myth, uh, the fucking... what a callback. man of this show, the Cag himself, <laughs> played a part in Home Alone, basically. That's so funny. And uh, this, this, they filmed... This was the first thing that they filmed for Home Alone, was this Angels with Filthy Souls bit that they did, this old movie that... Kevin would watch. His parents didn't allow him to watch it because it was this violent gangster mm. film. But they're not home now. Fuck them. They left me. So he's just watching Angels of the Filthy Souls and eating all this junk food and shit. Mm. And he's like, I'm watching trash and eating rubbish. Mm-hmm. You know, no one's here. You fuck fucking pieces of shit. <laughs> you know, but uh, <laughs> but it's this really fun film history thing that never actually happened. Like. Yeah. Everyone thought this was a real movie. Everyone, I mean, mm-hmm. especially if you're in the theater in 1990 as like a kid or a young mm-hmm. person, you probably think this is some real movie that he's watching, you know? Yeah. But, I always thought it was a real movie. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people still do. Some of the stars of the movie thought this was a real movie that they were showing <laughs> because they, they didn't, you know, they're just showing it on a TV screen. Yeah. And so uh, Chris Columbus pops on a TV screen to shoot this scene. And he plays the footage, and everybody's like, oh, shit, what movie is this? This looks amazing. And he's like, I actually filmed this before we started shooting. You know, like, I filmed this with this uh, this ama- this legendary actor named Foodie was his name. Wow. <laughs> Ralph Foodie. 
Um, he died in like 97, but he was a cool old guy, and he was the guy. They filmed it in the uh, gymnasium of the school. Right. They hadn't even really built all the sets yet, but they built this little office set in the corner mm-hmm. and put Ralph Foodie in there, and they filmed this gangster scene for the Angels with Filthy Souls. That's cool. You know? Um, and, and I guess he, because he wanted like the very specific line to use later, so he couldn't just use any old movie, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. and I mean, I don't know, I, yeah, I don't know. I just didn't want to pay for the lights. Yeah, that's it. Water I imagine that was it. Yeah, and it was cool. They did all sorts of cool effects with it. They like, you know, did the they like exposed the film a bunch and all that. It was interesting. It was a really cool thing. But Dev. You want to act this thing out with me? Let's let's give you some angels of filthy souls. We're going to give you the whole clip right now. We're going to act it out right now. Who is it? It's me, Snakes. I got the stuff. Leave it on the doorstep and get the hell out of here. All right, Johnny. But what about my money? What money? AC said you had some dough for me. Is that a fact? How much do I owe you? AC said 10%. <laughs> Too bad AC ain't in charge no more. What do you mean? He's upstairs taking a bath. He'll call you when he gets out. Hey, I tell you what I'm gonna do, snakes. I'm gonna give you to the count of 10. To get your ugly, yellow, no-good keister off my property before I pump your guts full of lead. All right, Johnny, I'm sorry. One. I'm going. Two. Ten. <laughs> and keep the change, you filthy animal. <laughs> that keep the change of filthy animal was fucking sexy, bro. Yes, yes, dude. I've been working on that ever since I saw this movie as a kid, bro. That, the, I mean, great job all around. But even that last line, you fucking hit it home. That was like bases loaded, Fenway bottom of the ninth. Fucking Jimmy Deloitte comes up to the plate, boom. Yes. This one is out of the park. Out of here. <laughs> Hell yeah. Good to go. But yeah, that was that was great, guys. It sounded exactly like the, the movie. <laughs> that was good. Um, we did really good on that. That's why I wanted to do it. I knew we would kill it. And yeah, this gave Home Alone one of its most popular lines that you just heard. Keep the change, you filthy animal. I guess I don't have to repeat it. That was that was probably Home Alone's like most used line was yeah. to keep the change of filthy animal part and, and it was the the gangster picture that so Kevin McAllister puts it on when the guys are trying to break into the house and he turns it up really loud and they think Marv thinks like some gangster shit's happening inside so we better not go in there he does the same thing to the pizza boy by the way to sift the pizza boy once again. This poor pizza guy, man. Oh, yeah. Never gets paid for going to the fucking McAllister's yeah, house. Yeah, right. you know, Going to these billionaires' house, and he doesn't. He never gets tipped. He sometimes doesn't even get paid. 
It's like fuck these people, man. I'm not. I would tell my manager, I'm not. I'm not <laughs> delivering pizza to them no more. He's probably actually. He probably gets in trouble for coming back with not the money. Probably. <laughs> he probably, probably has to pay out of pocket. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The late Ralph Foodie played the hard nosed Johnny, whose Thompson Tommy submachine gun was only overpowered by his maniacal laughter. Michael Guido played Snakes who, while seeking his dough, met an untimely end via a countdown cut short. And, uh, yeah, Foodie died in 1999 at the Mm. age of 71. There was old Johnny. Old Johnny. So, anyway, he plays in this movie. They think that a gangster's in the house. They don't want to go in there. He's going crazy with his Tommy gun in there. And uh, they run away. But they're hitting another house in the neighborhood. The parents, the mom, calls the house of the neighbor or the house that they're in and leaves a voicemail saying like we're in Paris you know uh, blah 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 um, and so the wet bandits are saying they are gone somebody's in there trying to fool us mm. you know and uh, so they return to cut Kevin's head off and he's in there and uh, you know they're gonna like leave it in the oven for the parents to find later <laughs> and shit and, child <laughs> sacrifice for Christmas <laughs> <laughs> they're gonna live forever you know they're gonna cover themselves in Kevin's blood <laughs> like drink it from That's chalices really, and shit this is just a quest of two uh, strung out Hollywood elites looking for adrenochrome <laughs> to harvest <laughs> they're just gonna cut his head off and drink his adrenochrome and it's oh, this man. vicious war with the wet bandits and uh dude the stunt guys for this movie by the way wow i like do not get their flowers at all for this movie these stunt guys beat the fuck out of themselves for this movie uh they have a thing in the stunt world where you just fall flat on your back and it's called the home alone fall they're like (laughs) we need a home alone fall from you oh god that sounds painful falling flat on your back they did this scene and they said chris columbus said uh they did the scene in the stunt guy who's walking up the stairs, slips, falls on his back, and he said there was like a minute of like no one said anything. Like, oh my God. Man. Like they thought this guy had like just killed himself. Holy shit, and he just knocked the wind out of himself. Yeah, no, was... he was fine. He got oh. back up and he's he did it a bunch more times. Oh my god. Dude, I it's fucking... <laughs> They were they were throwing themselves downstairs, falling from heights. They were getting hit in the head with shit. Oh like, man. Like these stunt guys did all this shit, man. And uh, no, no Oscar for yeah. stunt people. I'm uh, yeah, just the stunt guys never get the credit they deserve. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a very thankless job. <laughs> but but yeah, anyway, the wet bandits are trying to snuff out the kid so they can rob the house and leave his little fucking body in a river somewhere. <laughs> you know, like sure wish you hadn't forgotten little Kev now, huh, mom? You know, because he's fucking dead, Miss McAllister. He's face down in a fucking river. <laughs> And the family could hardly even identify him because he's been there so long. You know, that's the Chicago PD. He's like, maybe, maybe we should have gone out to that house. You know? Hey, <laughs> hey, what was he gonna do? What was he gonna do? Oh, he's a little kid. Uh, but <laughs> his little kids die every day. <laughs> it's Chicago. Uh, you, you, you can't because you rich. Look, look, read, look, I found four poor kid dead bodies just today. <laughs> read the side of my police car, ma'am. It says Chicago Police Department. Kids die every. Every day. <laughs> <laughs> 
But no, Kevin was nothing. He was nothing to be fucked with. He <laughs> saved the house. But uh, not really, by the way. He saved himself. He did not save the house. The house is trash. So the house is trash. I actually found a handy-dandy chart here created by showbizcheatsheet.com. <laughs> and they listed how many damages Kevin incurred with this ruthless saw traps that he laid <laughs> out. Um, and so I want to, at some point, we'll release these photos on uh, Instagram. I want to release the Home Alone trap. Uh, here, the damage map okay. that he has done is really good. Here's a list of damages, and this is all 1990 prices. I'm going to give you a big inflation at the end, but replacing the hot doorknob, and and again, remember, this is a in a very expensive house, yeah. and this is all the shit is very expensive. Mm-hmm. Replacing the hot doorknob would cost 130 bucks. That's the one where he put like yeah. uh, uh, it. So that thing that he puts over the doorknob, Marcus told me it was it was to like warm your shoes or some shit. It was supposed to be, or I don't know. It, I can't remember exactly what that thing's for. It was like a red hot fucking. It was for torture. Yeah, it was for torture. It was exactly for what he used it for to heat up your doorknob in case somebody's trying to kill you. You know, and uh, and then he covers the basement staircase with tar uh, for Marv to walk up and. You know, yeah. nail goes through his foot and shit. She got uh, the, the entire staircase. Yeah, that's nine hundred bucks, definitely, yeah. if not more, maybe a thousand. You know, yeah. and again, this nineteen ninety prices. The wall mounted bookshelves in Buzz's bedroom. He destroys that before they even get there. You know, he he just at that point he's just being a fucking alone kid. You know, like he's just going through his brother's bedroom, like pissing on all of his stuff, like you piece of shit. You know, and he, that's the one where he finds Buzz's a picture of Buzz's girlfriend, and he's uh, like, "Whoa, she's oh, ugly as shit." Oh yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. This is also where the spider gets out. Yeah, the spider oh. gets out. And uh, that was another thing that I learned doing that show was Marcus was saying to control the spider, you would do like a air can. You would like spray air where he was walking and you could like direct him on where to walk and shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Spider uh, must have been so mad. Oh my God, dude. The spider's like fucking. <laughs> I'm biting the next motherfucker I touch. <laughs> He's a stunt spider, man. He's oh part of the stunt God. team, you know. Uh, the most expensive repairs. Where the swinging paint cans and blowtorch are among the costliest booby traps, which each causing two thousand three hundred and ten dollars in damage from dented and scorched walls, and <laughs> the glue and feathers, uh, surprisingly, is the most expensive prank due to the damage it does to the home's decor, leading to a three thousand eight hundred and sixty dollar bill, and deep cleaning the whole place would be about seven hundred and seventy bucks. Oh my god! So all said and done, we're looking at eleven thousand four hundred and sixty bucks in nineteen ninety. And when you put that through the old inflation calculator, that is $24,250. That is wild. Still not as much as they spent on those fucking tickets. Nope. Still no. Not even half. The one that they forgot their kid. That's wild. Yo, so, okay, I got I got one big thing at the end, but I'll wait till we get to the end part. because. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll hold it. Actually, no. Go ahead, because that that was basically you know. Okay, so this this ends with them like getting an emergency. The whole family gets an emergency flight back, right? Yeah. 
So if he wasn't hated enough already, yeah, oh. he ruined everyone's fucking trip. I think Home Alone too. They left him in New York on purpose. Yeah, like yeah. I, if he, I, I think at the end they're like, like Joe they, Dirt. Like Joe Dirt. At the end, like yeah. the thing is, like they learn to like love family and like they family. finally, family, they finally accept him. The, he would be the most hated child, the most hated sibling <laughs> of all yeah. times. Yeah. You just ruined our fucking Paris trip because you, I don't know, overslept or some shit. We had to come all the way back for you, you piece of shit. And you know how expensive these tickets were? Dude. And they get home and like, I mean, he fixes up the house, but also they know shit's broken. Yeah. You know? Yeah. This is like now the family's just going to pee in your bed, all of us, every time you go to sleep now. You have to sleep in the piss bed until you're 18, you know? Which is the ironic thing is they're the ones that forgot him. I know. Yeah. yeah. And they're mad. Oh, no. We left an eight year old boy alone in our house and something got broken you know yeah, surprise yeah, yeah, surprise yeah. <laughs> we yeah, had him here for days it's the parents fault but if I was the other siblings like yeah. if I were the other kids I would blame him like but also it's I wouldn't funny. be mad I would be mad at my parents but also be like you fucker you yeah. couldn't have just been no. awake well, also <laughs> but also like the parents have to know that two men broke into their house right and tried to murder their kid and so they're mad at him for stuff being broken when they should be like, oh, yeah, the two maniacs who broke in here trying to murder our eight-year-old probably broke this. Yeah. But they, do they not know? I don't... Do they not even know that their house was broken into at the end of the movie? They have to, it's, right? They have to. If the, sequ- if the Home Alone... If, like, the subsequent sequels of Home Alone don't have... His character growing up to be a school shooter. I don't know what's wrong with this fucking character. Well, well, hey, he does. He grows up to be Jigsaw. You know, that's what he. Yeah, Kevin takes all of his skills and becomes the greatest trap killer. That would be the best backstory (laughs) for so. And think about it. He's rich enough to be Jigsaw. He's just a rich, grown up like. You know, he he probably inherited all of the millions from his parents when they died. Now he's a little bit older and he's getting cancer. And he spends mm-hmm. all that inheritance money to set up traps for all the people who wronged him, like Buzz and yeah. his kid. Yeah. You know, yeah. It all, it makes sense. It all makes sense. You if can't you just, tell me that's not what happened. No, it's science. But, uh, it's science. <laughs> I want to I do a new little uh, segment here for uh, Christmas Vibes. Uh, it's called Let's Talk About Satan. Um, (laughs) put some evil laughter here Drake (laughs) so uh, there are a lot of theories running around that this film um, is all about the devil basically and it's all this was a big metaphor for hell uh, and there's a lot of references to Satan in this movie actually it's very interesting apparently all of John Hughes's movies had like biblical and satanic stuff and this was definitely one of them yeah they say, so there's a lot of things to look out for. There's little things throughout the movie where if you're looking for Satan, you'll find him. You know? What? Uh, <laughs> if you're looking for Satan, house, you'll find him. Like, when the, when the pizza guy pulls up to deliver the pizza, he hits one of their gargoyles out front. And that's one of the things they say, like, he knocked over this gargoyle and the protection is gone from the house now. And so demons can get in and shit. And also, his pizza car says Nero's Pizza. That's where he works. Nero was the king that they inspired 666 after in numerology. And he, basically, Nero is, like, associated with Satan. And then... Everybody says well, Nero was the he was the Roman emperor who burned down Rome. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Everybody says he was the devil. You okay. know? Yeah, well, yeah. He, that's just because he, 
Yeah, he didn't really have any. It wasn't a religious thing. It was he was a fucking lunatic. Yeah, he was and everyone a was like, This guy's such a lunatic. But there's He's also the devil. <laughs> we can cut it all out of his bullshit, but there's also something about him being six six six. That was like where that number came from. Was Who, Nero? Nero? Yeah. yeah, interesting. Might well, have to look further those, into it. I didn't get deep into it. This is more about numbers. A, this was about a home invasion movie, not you know Nero. <laughs> no, but. I'm fascinated about this. Yeah. <laughs> and they say uh, John Candy is the Dark Lord himself in this movie. So she's at the airport, and she tells the clerk, "I would sell my soul right now." to get on this plane. She says that. And John Candy is right behind her wearing this like bright yellow and he's like, Hey, you know, <laughs> he's like, I'm here. You you rang? You know? <laughs> and uh by the way, the guy behind her, uh, while we're on insane shit about this movie, the guy behind her, everybody also says it's Elvis Presley. They said he lived and he's just doing like little background roles to hang out with some friends now and then and he's behind her in the airport. <laughs> Okay. Some really crazy shit came out about this movie. That's funny. And, uh, I gotta watch that scene. I was, so, sometimes, does it look like Elvis Presley? Does it? He looks exactly like him, oh, to really? be fair. He looks like Elvis grew up and got fat and has a beard now, which he kind of... <laughs> He did. That he is, did, He yeah. looked like Elvis when he died. Wow, you know? Yeah. I mean, I feel bad for whoever that is, because uh, <laughs> it's certainly not Elvis, and that guy's probably, you know, his life's a nightmare now. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, the airport that they're in is the Scranton Airport, which is located at a crossroads, they say, like, the devil used to work at, you know? He used to work here. He used to work at Scranton? Yeah, you know, devils. the devil did a lot of business at crossroads. You know, you'd sell your soul at the crossroads, just like in the Delta in Mississippi. They say it happened here in, uh, at the Scranton Airport. It's next to some crossroads where you also sell your soul. Oh, okay. It's real sound stuff here. You know, it's okay. all making sense. I, I guess. And, um, <laughs> you mean the, you mean the, like the, the consignment store crossroads <laughs> where you go and buy used clothes? That, hey, that's the Satan store. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's the Satan that's store. Satan runs that store. <laughs> <laughs> You're buying your clothes straight from the devil, my friend. <laughs> Wait, have you ever, have you ever seen the Bible, the movie? You haven't seen that one either? <laughs> I, I have never read the Bible. The I did not know there was a movie i didn't know they adapted it into a movie to be honest um they tried several times they did try several times yeah the bible the movie <laughs> seems like we need to be a tv show how do you condense that whole thing and is there like 36 books or whatever yeah, yeah that would be the next most boring game of thrones <laughs> but yeah john candy's the devil he, uh, he basically makes a deal with her. And it's one of those things where it's a Faustian deal. He's like, you can ride with us. And she's like, yeah, yeah, that sounds great. I'll just ride with you. And then he's like, but you got to ride with this polka, polka band. <laughs> <laughs> That's the deal. You know, it's yeah. like, we'll, we'll get you to Chicago, but you will probably want to kill yourself before we get there. You know, you'll probably throw yourself everybody out knows. Polka is the devil's music. Polka is the devil's music. <laughs> Satan invented polka. There's no doubt. They play polka music in Guantanamo Bay to torture prisoners. Yes. You know, absolutely. Along with Britney Spears. <laughs> oh, yeah. I heard about that shit. Wait, really? Oh, there was a police oh, yeah. station who just used that tactic. There was a police station in, like, fucking New Jersey or somewhere that just had people sitting in the... Uh, the like uncomfortable, what do you call it? The the stress position, and they played Baby Shark for them over and over again. Did you hear about that shit? No. They're torturing people now in our in our American justice system. Amazing. This will probably not go in this episode, but I'm putting it out there now. <laughs> yeah, no, they always have been, but they still are. Oh, amazing. Wait, they're 
They're just they're just playing annoying music. Yeah, they play so, annoying music. And they uh, put you in a stress position where all of you start. It's like painful to stand in the oh. position that they make you stand in. Yeah, is this happening in our prisons? It's happening in our jails. Our jails. We're like going to court. Our jails. To, our jails. To, to to what end? To, yeah. <laughs> to get the to get you to confess mm-hmm. to running that red light. Like I don't yep. want. what, what, yep. what, what well, I mean. In Guantanamo, they want to, you know, in your intent. They want to know where the bombs are going. (laughs) Where are the bombs at? What the bombs doing? (laughs) They want to know what the bombs doing. (laughs) Bombs over Baghdad. (laughs) What the bombs do? But speaking of torture, (laughs) speaking of torture, what the Satanists don't talk about is John Candy did this movie as a favor to John Hughes because they're old buddies. He did Uncle Buck with him and shit. Uh, He did it for $500 to do this movie. (laughs) And. He had he he gave them one day for five hundred bucks. That's mm-hmm. my favor. Yeah, they worked him for twenty three hours straight. Oh my god! Because they only had him for one day, <laughs> so they got two days out of this guy for five hundred bucks. John Candy. What way to? Oh, I, I, if I was John Candy, I'd be very upset. This was not yeah. the spirit of the deal. No, not the spirit. It's like the spirit of Christmas for sure. <laughs> Definitely not that either. Yeah, so we'll talk about how they made Saw for children here <laughs> and uh, some fun stories that happened along the way. It's got a pretty wild tale. This movie almost didn't happen a few times. This was like a big studio war to make this thing really? finally go. Yeah. And they're. But at the time, wasn't, uh, wasn't John Hughes pretty established? Yeah, but they still couldn't quite squeeze fucking money out of studios. I swear, man. It, it, it always goes back to no matter how big of a name you have, nobody wants to pay for shit, you know? <laughs> And it, there were a few producers involved in this thing that probably wound up face down in a river like Kevin would have <laughs> because they, this is the one they let go. Wow. You know? Yeah, this is the one that got away for quite a few people. I mean, to be fair, trying to pitch this movie, I have some yeah. questions. <laughs> yeah, I, for sure. I'm, I'm a little confused. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's 1990. People didn't even think about kids. So the kid, know. the kid's trying to murder them, but they're right. trying to murder the kids. Doesn't murder them. So it's like a, it's a B and E about full, Christmas. Does he full on murder these guys, or is this like, yeah? I, I'm, I'm confused about this B and E is a Christmas. movie. B and E is a Christmas movie. <laughs> Dev, we'll pitch it to you. Dev, uh, we got this new idea. We just did Christmas Vacation. John Hughes, Chris Columbus. We want to keep the Christmas train rolling, so we got something for you. A movie about a B and E that happens during Christmas. What do you think? And a kid kills people. What do you think? What do you think, Deb? B and E. I love bacon egg sandwiches. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> John Hughes whipped out the script in two days, and Chris Columbus had some little notes here and there, and they they kept going back and forth with the script. But by the end of like a, a, a matter of a week, this thing is ready to go. This is a shooting script. For a whole ass studio movie. They landed on a final draft and took it to Warner Brothers. And John Hughes told Warner Brothers he could do this thing for $10 million. And so the old inflation calculation, that's 21 mil for a movie. Mm-hmm. And they're like, yeah, okay. Not bad. 10 million, go ahead. You know. Oh, so they didn't have any trouble at all getting no, this picked not up? Not with that one, no. But John Hughes, I think, I don't know why he, he would do a tactic where he would ask a studio, he would lowball them. And then we're just going to go over budget. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And they'll just keep paying. Because by the time we go over budget, they've already paid all that money. They're just going to keep paying. It's like, well, we're just not going to finish the movie? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. That was his, like, 
method. That's I funny. mean, he got a lot of shit done that yeah. way, but also he got on a lot of people's he, he bad side. He burned a lot of bridges. Burned a lot of bridges. So there was a lot of people who were like, not this time. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, exactly. And um, he was... I, he's John Hughes kind of made movies like... He was going to die the next day. Like he, like he would write these scripts so fast, pitch them as fast as possible, get just as much money as he could, and then go over budget. He doesn't care. I'm gonna die tomorrow anyway. Like I swear that. Like he was on like a fucking like quest to get out as much shit as he possibly could. So and he he did. He he got he made he wrote sixteen of them, directed eight of his own movies. He was like on wow. fire. Is just, he still around or is he is he dead or actually, is he? No, he died in 2009. But yeah, man, he was he was churning and burning. Um, they almost cast John Lovitz as Harry. You know, John Lovitz is like that would have been funny. That that's been, a good. That's a good role. Yeah, I mean, it it's it could work. It's not like out. You know, it doesn't seem out of place. Yeah, yeah. I think it could have worked. I'm really glad they didn't. But Wait, John, yeah, no, me too. Yeah. So who who said no before Warner Brothers picked it up? Oh, nobody. I mean, Warner oh. Brothers said yes. It wasn't a matter of saying no. It was just a matter of they said yes. But then I'll get into what happened. Okay. Um, yeah, they almost cast John Lovitz as Harry, and uh, he basically said no. I don't want to do a you know kid getting broken into movie. <laughs> and uh, then they looked at Robert De Niro as Harry, and Robert De Niro said, like, absolutely not. I'm not doing a kid's movie, but my buddy Joe Pesci might do it. <laughs> so Robert De Niro brought the script of Home Alone to mm. Joe Pesci. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> Isn't that weird? Just yeah. to think, like, Robert De Niro was even involved in this. Yeah, you know? yeah that's funny. Yeah. I can see it, though. was, like, always trying to get Pesci work. Like, Pesci, like, did not want to continue acting. Right. And Robert De Niro was like, nah, nah, come here. You're going to do Look this. Look at this script. Yeah. Yeah, Look yeah, at yeah. Goodfellas. Do you want to murder some Look kids? At, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Scorsese also. Scorsese and his buddies are the king of like, we don't care that you stopped acting. We want you to act again. <laughs> <They're> <laughs> like, like, I told we you guys. Care that, uh. We don't care that time exists and you got old. We're going to pretend yeah. we're CGI and then yes. we're all young again. <laughs> I love it, man. Keep. Uh. I love Scorsese. But yeah, so they set up at New Trier High School in Chicago, the abandoned high school that I mentioned also uh, earlier. This was the location for Ferris Bueller. They shot Uncle Buck here. And, you know, like I said, I, I'm with you. I think this is a... I, I feel like this was a very efficient way to film a movie. Mm -hmm. I just feel like it's... These classrooms as offices just works. Yeah, I don't know. Schools were kind of designed for this. Yeah, you know, like big things happen over here in the gym. Yeah, offices in the classroom. Yeah, there's a cafeteria. Yeah, yes, you got a cafeteria for lunch. Yeah. It'd be weird. It definitely <laughs> probably felt like, yeah. why the fuck are we in this school well, and it, I'm it, having my nightmares of being bullied and thrown oh, in a locker? <laughs> Not me. I mean, <laughs> I was a jock, you know. But, uh, oh well, it sets. <laughs> It sets the vibe, it, depending on, like, the movie you're making, uh, you know, it kind of gets you in that mindset. It kind of brings you back to, like, the mindset you had when you were a kid and yeah. stuff. And I, I definitely sure. see the value in it. For sure. It's, and like, it's like Kanye recording Donda in the Atlanta Falcons stadium. It's about, it's about setting the mood. <laughs> yeah. You know? but the well, let's not do that again. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that was weird. That was so, and a lot of people tell, tell Kanye that was that was the wrong mood to say. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was uh, that was an interesting one for old Kanye. Things are things are going real interesting for that guy. But uh, but the exterior of the house was a real house in Chicago. They mm -hmm. built the interior in the gym. 
and they would shoot the exterior of this house. The house in 2012 actually sold for $1.2 million, the real house that was in Home Alone. Somebody paid that much to live in Chicago. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, they uh, they pretty much immediately go over budget. This is where the trouble starts. Mm. Um, like I said, John Hughes, he went to Warner Brothers, and he said, okay, sorry, I know I said $10 million. We're actually going to need $14.7 million. Now, we've set up the stages. Uh, we have We have gotten everything going and we've done a new budget here's how much it's actually going to cost and warner brothers said fuck you we said 10 we'll give you 13.5 <laughs> rather than 14.7 okay you're gonna squabble <laughs> over a million and a half and the producer said fuck you 14.7 <laughs> We're, we are squabbling over it and there's a reason why John Hughes is sticking to 14.7. This is his number. He's not coming down from it. Warner Brothers said, we'll give you 13.5, or that's it. We're pulling the plug. Yeah, no, I'm saying, like, Warner Brothers, like, are you really going to, like, so, oh, like why oh, not just give them the extra million and a half? Because they're, they're all being dicks at this point. Mm. They're all in a, in a mm. clashing... Dick measuring contest. A dick measuring yeah. contest. Well... John, in the meantime, while they, they, they sent in this offer, they sent in the $14.7 million, mm-hmm. not an offer, but a request, request yeah. um, and then they all broke for actual Christmas, and they all went home, and they were kind of, they were supposed to come back after Christmas, like January 5th, mm-hmm. and January 5th comes around, they haven't got an answer, a week goes by, haven't got an answer, are we, are we even filming this thing, what's happening, mm-hmm. Warner Brothers isn't telling us. And um, they basically all go back to set to start like getting ready to hear because as soon as we hear, we're mm-hmm. going to have to get back to work. And word never comes. In the meantime, John Hughes took uh, Chris Columbus and some of his production people. They went and had a meeting at Fox. And <laughs> they go and have this lunch at Fo- Bidding War. Bidding War. They go and have this lunch at Fox, which is completely illegal because the money is already... They've already signed a contract with Warner Brothers. Mm -hmm. You're not supposed to go to another studio with something that you're already under contract to make. Yeah. Like, this is now owned by Warner Brothers, Mm -hmm. and they're pitching Warner Brothers property to Fox at this point. Yeah. (laughs) But he doesn't anyway. (laughs) And Fox said, well, if Warner Brothers doesn't want to go with it, we'll give you 14.7. So let us know if they say no. We'll we'll come on so in. So Fox doesn't know that Warner Brothers already. Oh, gave. they know. Oh, oh, they know. Fox okay. knows. Okay. They had Warner Brothers stamped on the fucking script. There's no <laughs> doubt about it. It's probably a watermark. Warner <laughs> Brothers property. The script was mysteriously left in an office at at Fox. Okay. With one of John Hughes's best friends. Okay. After the lunch, like no one knows how it got there. <laughs> But it was there, you know. Very interesting stuff. This. Yeah, this is some like spy I, shit I going love on. This. <laughs> so Warner Brothers says, "Fuck off. We're shutting you down. We're not doing the John Hughes thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not going back and forth. We're done." So they send a uh, an executive from Warner Brothers to the, the high school in Chicago, and this guy is literally going door to door telling people hey you're shut down art department you're shut down pack up all your shit makeup you're shut down pack up all your shit door to door each department he's mm-hmm. shutting them down personally behind him he doesn't see this guy but there's a guy from Fox coming down the hall in the same doors going no you're with Fox now don't pack up yet we're going to st- we're just going to pick up the bill 
<laughs> so <laughs> this guy's going door to door and everybody's getting shut down and they're getting picked up immediately. Like, that's, wait, that's so funny. Wait, so how does that work legally? Does Fox have to pay out Warner Brothers yeah, for their expense? Yeah, I imagine there was some deals that had to be going down. You know, I, I imagine some people had to be bought for sure. But Fox just picked up and they they said basically they sent the next day a bunch of like Fox stuff and they were literally taking off like the backs of the chair said Warner Brothers and they were yeah. taking it off and putting Fox on it. and their checks were now from Fox yeah. you know, it wasn't Warner Brothers <laughs> they, anymore it seems like the studios behave you guys remember that scene in Moneyball where they're dealing the players the baseball players between the different teams and bidding them yeah. against one another yes it seems like the studios do that with like IP right. and films that they have and at least they did like back in the 80s and 90s yeah. they were like alright I'll take Home Alone but you gotta give me uh, you know Angels in the outfield, and you know we got Jumanji coming up, and like you know they're probably like shuffling scripts and packages sure. around. I imagine it's also it might even be a little bit friendlier yeah. than it sounds. You know, a little friendly competition. You mm. know, maybe, <laughs> maybe. I'm not sure. I, 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 that's that. I mean, that clearly there was a, some amount of goodwill if. Because Warner Brothers had to have, like, signed paperwork being like, we're going to accept the buyout. Right. Like, you reimburse us for what we've already spent on this movie, right. and now this is your property. Right. Because if they really want right. to be dicks that about it, terms. they could be yeah. like, we own this, yeah, and we're, we're putting shutting it, it on down. a shelf. Yeah. yeah. We're going to put it in a they drawer. Could, it probably was something to, like, you know, he had the right to, if they didn't, you know, if they had a disagreement on how right. to do things... That he had the right to go do something else as long as it didn't cost Warner Brothers. Yeah, that makes sense, actually. It could have been in the contract or it just could have been one of those things is like, yeah, we could shelf this to be a dick, but then we're out $10 million. Yeah. Like, let's get our money back. And then that way we're not, we didn't lose anything. And and he can go do That doesn't work for the business model, you know? Like, the business model of those big studios, especially back during this time, was make a bunch of stuff and then maybe one or two will pop. Right. So, those success of those one or two are going to cover. The cost of all the other ones that yeah. didn't do well at the box office. Well, and that's that was why I was saying I a lot of Warner Brothers people kicked themselves in the ass, man. Oh, yeah, 14.7 that they didn't want to spend. I'll get into the release of this thing. The opening weekend of Home Alone grossed 17 million dollars from only 1,200 theaters, averaging 14,000 dollars per theater so the budget was made back plus some immediately Immediately. in two days and as we talked about this movie printed money forever oh my god for there are people still regretting this decision there's no doubt about it people still say home alone is the one that got away yeah yeah Yeah, the old inflation calculator that 17 million is 35 million you know and that's just opening weekend. And by now, Home Alone has made $500 million. Holy shit. Which actually sounds... I thought that was low. I mean, I figured that's this would billion. be... It's kind of low. It's, yeah. But it's half a billion on, uh, on, a, on a $14 million budget, you know? And um, That's pretty good on that budget. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. The turnaround like, is insane. Avengers is like, you know... A hundred and fifty million dollar budget and making half a billion. Right, right. <laughs> this thing cleaned the fuck up, hit the box office, still hitting the box office. That's actually kind of all I have for it today. And Dev, you had some stuff you wanted to talk about Macaulay Culkin. Let's get into it and some and some product placement type of deals. Yeah, I mean this movie was a case study for product placement. When they teach 
product placement and like uh, marketing or advertising class in colleges, oftentimes they'll use this as the example. Interesting. There was, I don't know if you guys remember, but there was so much product placement. Everywhere you turned in the house was a product placement ad, basically, from the Women's Day magazine that Kevin holds up to Wilson basketballs wow. and baseballs. Uh, Aquafresh toothpaste, Pampers, Playboy magazine, Toyota truck, Kraft marshmallows, Hershey's syrup. Um, what else? Junior mints. Uh, I didn't. It's funny. There's just I so I many budget notice. rental yeah, car. That's how they work. Uh, um, American Airlines. I mean. Do you remember the little device that he, the recording device? Yeah. Oh, it was a Talkboy. You remember the Talkboy? Yeah. I didn't even remember a Talkboy until I had refreshed my memory doing the research on this. But I used to Me own too. one of those. I had things. one of those too. And yeah. the whole, yeah, the whole scene where he records his uncle singing in the shower, and that was, in was the just one. to feature, yeah, that that product though, yeah. You know, so I mean, the the, the franchise is inserting. Uh, these uh, oftentimes out of place products, but sometimes you know, yeah, very right on on the that nose. is one of the interesting um, things. Like the first one had its own product placement with all the products and stuff, and the second one brought about this new like tech product placement. Like yeah, like you're saying, the Talk Boy was definitely like the iPad of its time. I, I mean, this thing came out. What? Oh man, it was. I mean, don't it, don't get me wrong. This thing really was. It was high tech to us. It was a recording device you, with a little tape in it. That you can, Holding you your could hand. hold like, in your that hand. Was the thing. That is that was a huge deal at the time. Yeah, I had I got one for Christmas. I yeah, same with you, Dev. I had one of those things as well because of Home Alone too. I had one of those. Wow, you know, I'm sure that the brand saw the effect of in sales mm -hmm. of how much their shit went up when like Tic Tac. Like how much Tic Tacs went up because that's what was given to Kevin by like the nice old lady. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. In the second, you know what one, I yeah. mean? Like that's yeah. it, it, it. It what it does is it it attaches an emotion to the product. Right. And then when people see that product, they go, "Oh, Home Alone. Oh, that's nice." And then you know, trigger that yeah. buy. So I just thought that that was really interesting. I didn't know how much they made or if a lot of those products were just like donated, but. I imagine that at least some portion of each of these movies were financed by the plethora sure. of product placement. I'm, I'm they sure had. the studio has just like their own um, corral of, you know, of products and and companies that you know put their merch in all these movies. I'm sure that's where the studio was getting a lot of the money. The 14.7 that Fox put in. I'm sure a lot of that came from big companies, you know. Yeah, I mean, money. that's got to be your first move to mitigate costs. Yeah, um, to get that product placement in there. Yeah. It's the most palatable when it's natural, you mm. know what I mean? Like, none of these products feel, like, super forced or whatever. Like, yeah. I never remember questioning it or, or yeah. whatever. No. It's less abrupt than Fast and Furious's Corona <laughs> thing, you know what I mean? You can so. have a beer as long as it's Corona. <laughs> you can have any beer you like as long as it's Corona. <laughs> yeah, Kevin said that in the movie. Yeah. He's like, Kev drinks. When Kevin drinks, he only drinks Corona. <laughs> you can underage like, drink whatever ah! beer you want as long as it's a Corona. As long as it's Corona. 
Speaking of Kevin, though, you talk about someone who made some fucking money off of Home Alone, man. Macaulay Culkin from Home Alone 1 and Home Alone 2. Home Alone 2, they uh, they redid his whole deal, and he got back in points on Home oh, Alone 2 as well. Sick. So he really makes mailbox money with that shit. <laughs> and, Deb, I think that's one of the things you want to talk about, his like amazing life now. This man leads one of the most fascinating lives mm. ever. He's like the most interesting I, man in the world. I love this human being uh, more than I can articulate, more than what de- he deserves justice for, or what what I, de- I don't know. What I'm saying <laughs> is I think he's awesome. I didn't really articulate. I stumbled and tripped and fell all through that. Yeah. Uh, but Macaulay Culkin is one of the most interesting uh, child actors who is still doing work today. He did take a hiatus, but I wanted to, first of all, give a mad shout out and mad respect because of all the stuff that I'm going to tell you about. And also like uh, this is nostalgic for us. And I think one of the beautiful things about him and his sense of humor is he leans into that and can play on that and make fun of himself now as like an adult and reflecting back on all of this. But in his childhood, just to get you guys a little perspective, all in this short, like, three, four years time, he did, you know, Home Alone, My Girl, The Good Son, The Page Master, and Richie Rich. Oh, he was Page Master? Yeah, he was Page Master. I love that movie. Yeah, man, that was him. Little little So, like, he's not just getting... He's getting residuals from all that money, by the way. And one of the... I mean, one of the... Tragic, but I guess, you know, one of the staple points and widely known things about his life is, uh, you know, the disputes between his parents over his right. money. So he, there was rumors that he, you know, had to, you know, really fight this dirty legal battle. I don't know how dirty it was. I think it was kind of amicable at the end. But uh, at the end of the day, like his, his mother was an um, actress uh, a soap actress, a well-known soap actress from CBS in the 1960s. Mm. And his father was a stage actor and manager of all of them. Um, and I, and it seems like his father was envious of the success mm. that Macaulay had achieved before he was even 10. Right. So he was physically abusive, oh, no. mentally oh, abusive. Wow. It was... Not a great childhood to grow up Jeez. in. So, uh, but you you think about how first of all you have the element of a, a terrible, dysfunctional, traumatic childhood that you're going home to every night as a young child, as a less than ten year old, and then you add in the fact that then you become the biggest star on the planet, right? And like a Hollywood child celebrity in to see that how he's wound up and navigated those waters all the way through adulthood, I think is, it deserves kudos and uh, a pat on the back at least because everybody else who went and was a child actor is either completely fucked up now or is no longer with yeah. us. And I mean, you, so, you can uh, he looks like a man who's been through a, har- a harder <laughs> life than you would expect from you know one of the biggest child stars of all time. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I, I think it's easy to be like if you don't know all that information, uh, be like, how lucky this guy must be. Yeah. You know, he's been a movie star since before he was 10. Yeah. Uh, and then not realize that, you know, I don't know. Maybe he would. Maybe he would give all that up for a happier childhood. Yeah, for um, sure. And you can definitely see that on his face. That's like this is a man who has been through more life than most of us will ever right. know. Right. Yeah. 
So he was going through that while he was acting in these movies. Wow. That's how good of a child actor yeah. he was. And one of the reasons he was so uh, frequently hired is because how easy he was to work wow. with. Not only being personality on set, but also the fact that he was a 10-year-old, he had a photographic memory for memorizing lines. So if you watch Uncle Buck, there's a scene where he's going back and forth with John Candy, and it's it's like an interrogation. He's like... What did you have? Where'd you go to dinner? What did you do this? Right. And it's like, boom, 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 volley. And they would just throw different lines at him right. to insert into there. And he would just, he heard it once and be able to rattle it off and fire it away and do it perfectly. Yeah. So that was a whole nother thing about how like high his intelligence and his you know awareness of you know what he was doing was. It, most 10-year-olds aren't going to get that. I was a kid actor at mm -hmm. 10. I didn't really fully grasp that. I was on sets and shit, but like... You know, I think that was really cool. And another, the one of the coolest things is to see his resurgence back into acting was a decade later when he did his role in Party Monster. Yeah, that was so good. Jake, have you ever heard of Party no, Monster? Never heard of this. True story too, or the oh, movie is a my yeah. god. Uh, yeah. There's that weekend song called Party Monster. Is it similar? <laughs> similar, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> it it might be uh, inspired by this. I don't know. I haven't heard it, but this was based on a true yeah. story about uh, the king of the club kids, which is like the New York uh, drug and LBGTQ party scene mm -hmm. back in the 80s and 90s. And it's about this, you know, one of these kids who gets caught up in this world and ends up killing people. And it's, yeah. it's really it was this guy. fucking wild story. It's crazy. It was this guy in the 90s in New York. And uh, I think this is the same guy who had a dead body in his coffee table. And he would have parties at his house with a dead body in his yep. table. And people would always be like, this place smells terrible. And he's like, yeah, it's like a fucking drug den in here. You know, what do you expect? This guy was like the party god of New York. Like... Every club, front of the line, all of his friends would get in, uh, no matter how big the club was, partying with celebrities. His house was like a constant, like, revolving door of just huge New York heavies partying at this, like, dungeon. And he, yeah, like Dev was saying, there was a murder that took place. He killed someone, and he put the body in his, in his table, and he would have parties in his apartment with his dead body in the middle of the room, well, and nobody knew. Because they were so fucked up on drugs and yeah. spun out. Why and did stuff, he not just remove the body? Dude, he, 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 was, just, he was kind of a, a weird, a he weirdy. Just, he just thought it was cool that there was yeah, a dead body. Yeah, basically. Nobody it. Basically, it was, he was he was uh, he was Dondo. Like, he was very Dondo. Like Telltale yeah. Heart. Like. Yeah, exactly. Great movie. Yeah, McCullough Culkin killed that shit. That's the thing. He his portrayal the the jump from. This is how we remember him <coughs> as Kevin in Home Alone and as Richie Rich and this, right. you know, fun, lighthearted child that's innocent to that dark, yeah. crazy. He did do that one as a kid, though. Atmosphere. He did world. that one movie where he's trying to kill his brother. What was that called? It was like Getting Even with Dad. Was that it? No, that was with Ted Danson. No, yeah, he did one movie where he plays this like killer little kid, and he's like trying to throw his brother off a cliff and shit. It was like the dark kid Macaulay Culkin role. Midnight Hour. Maybe that was it. The Midnight Hour? Maybe. That was a made-for-television horror yeah, film. Yeah, that sounds right. Point no, being is sure, he's yeah. got range. He, he's, he's got comedy, especially now. I mean, he's now a regular on the new season of American Horror Story. Oh, I didn't Story. know that. Oh, cool. Um, I wow, I didn't know that either. And also, he uh, st years and years ago, probably over a decade or maybe even two, 
um, he started a blog called Bunny Ears. Yeah. And it is still going, but it, it's uh, one of the funnest place to go read like satirical news stories and posts <laughs> and these kind yeah. of like offbeat, weird insights. Now he has a bunch of people that contributed it and write for it and stuff. But in the beginning, if you go back to the old stuff, it's just all yeah. him. Oh, cool. And he'll like, as this character Bunny Ears will take a perspective on like reporting on a story or pop culture or whatever, or giving his favorite restaurant recommendation. But right. it's, it's really creative and it's really fun to see. And he'll work that in to other projects like um, the movie that he did recently with Seth Green. I don't remember the name of it. it was Seth Green uh, wrote and directed it. Mm. Um, Changeland is the name oh, okay. of it. And great, great movie. Um, <clears throat> I saw it, but I just didn't remember the name. But it was white when it came out. And in that movie, he pops up. His character has like bunny ears right. on. So he's able to do like these little callbacks and yeah. and stuff throughout his career, which I thought was yeah, and, you know very cool. And, and very he basically clever. just takes his Home Alone money and goes and like travels the world. <laughs> he just like lives all over the world and just I, I, apparently he doesn't. I mean, I'm sure he has like a place he calls home, but. He just kind of goes and does whatever. He's seen probably like every inch of the fucking earth. Like he just he he gets paid millions every year around Christmas time, and he just takes that money and goes and sees the world, and just goes and like does cool. fun shit. You know, cool. and goes and like has good a for him. lunch on a hot air balloon or some shit. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, good for him. And now apparently he's working again. Good for him. And you know, shout out. I'm not gonna go through the list, but shout out to uh, you know. His his romantic entanglements. Oh yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> the oh Mila Kunis, the Mila <laughs> Kunis years. Yeah, he dated Mila Kunis. Yeah, he was dating Mila Kunis for a while. Yeah, I mean this man looks like a corpse. Oh dude, he's um, exactly. <laughs> Have you seen Machine Gun Kelly? Have you seen Pete Davidson? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, but they look like cool corpses. <laughs> but he was the cool corpse from your childhood. Oh. You know? <laughs> this kid, you watched him. You watched him as a kid, and now you want to fuck him. <laughs> And uh, not to dive too much into his personal stuff, but I do feel like it's a it's kind of important to to paint a picture of context. Um, his siblings, you know, I mean, in the two thousands, unfortunately, his half sister uh, and his older sister both passed away oh, wow. independently mm -hmm. of one another. So I think that you know, if you imagine and put yourself in that shoes of like you know life just hitting you over and over and over again with craziness and excessiveness. I feel like if that's what he turned out to be, that's like the best that's case true. scenario. Yeah. I can relate to that. Yeah. And yeah. I don't know if I would have been able to handle that stuff or I would have been able to turn out the yeah. same. I doubt it. Um, making making but a million I think, dollars you know, there's, there's a lot of... Yeah. Right, and having your parents fight over yeah. you and your trust yeah. fund and having to go court over it and yeah. stuff. I mean... The, it's it's crazy, but I also uh, I just think that you know there's a lot of respect due, and you know he doesn't get enough working gigs, and I love him, Macaulay Culkin. Do more yeah. has, Come have, on to the show. Him and his brother <laughs> on to the show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, have him and his brother ever been in a movie together? Wasn't Kieran in uh, in Party God somewhere? Uh, <laughs> I don't know, but uh, it would make sense. I would I would not be surprised yeah. about that. I'm not sure if they haven't done anything like 
starved right. side by side. They together. should. That's coming. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. on the way. That's on yeah. the way. That will absolutely happen. That's uh, that's all I got. Cool. I just wanted to, you know, you know, show some love to, uh, you know, the fellow, you know. No, I love to, it. You know, crazy. I person. love that. I love that. That's <laughs> actually artist. one of the things that I implemented into my brain is like I want to get closing thoughts from Dev each episode for <laughs> sure. If you would like to make me a star as big as Macaulay Culkin, you can find me on Instagram at Drake Cummings. You can find me on Twitter at Drake underscore Cummings. You can find me on TikTok at Hollywood Drake. I'm putting a lot of work on my TikTok recently. Yeah. Uh, you can find my merch. At raging20smerch.com, and uh, I'll have more plugs soon, believe it or not. But they're not quite ready yet, so I'm gonna keep them. I'm gonna keep it tucked away for now. Gotcha. You can follow me at sailor underscore dev on Insta, or if you wanted to uh, learn more about film projects incorporating NFTs in the future of that space, follow us on Twitter at abracadaver dev. Nice. And you can find us at Film History, the history of film, all over socials, FHHF podcast, stuff like that. Uh, depending on where you are, you can find me at Jimmy Deloy or James Wyatt Scott. And you can also find me in my parents' gigantic mansion, setting up some traps, waiting for these two fucking grease balls to get here. <laughs> but guess what? These traps will fucking kill you. You will not walk out of here with your limbs tonight. Do you hear me? Do you hear me, Marv and Harry? That's right. I already know who you are. My dad's so rich. I did a background check on you before you even got here. They're going to go into your coffee table. <laughs> I'm not locked in here with you. You're locked in here with me. <laughs> Let's be real. All three of our families are going to leave us for Christmas. <laughs> Definitely. We're going to home. We're going to get home alone. <laughs> we're going to be we're going to be home, home alone. <laughs> and that was film history. The history the of film. Speaking of box office records and uh, like just like Avengers and all that stuff, I think Spider-Man: No Way Home has a shot. At beating Endgame for the highest grossing movie of all time, maybe, yeah. I do. You, sure. Do do either of you guys want to take that bet? Man, I don't watch these things, but yeah, I believe it because like because <laughs> Endgame finally toppled uh, Avatar for the highest grossing movie of all wow. time, and obviously Endgame was like the conclusion of like this ten year run. Yeah. But I think I think the fervor for this by I mean because it's it's all but confirmed at this point that Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield are coming back. Yeah. And it's going to be like all three oh, yeah. live action Spider Mans together. Yeah. Uh, I can see it. The hype's definitely there the for it. There's no doubt. It is already the second highest. But what? There's no Black Panther. Yeah. I mean, he's dead. There's no, it's like, wow. Come on. That's a little, little rough there, bro. <laughs> he's literally dead. The character is not dead. The actor is. <laughs> to be clear. I um, thought the character might be as well. Uh, my point I think is, the might be as I well just, too. for people, for people, that's very true. It might be. Uh, I think the point is, like, people like that wide range. They like seeing the wide variety of characters and having all those arcs intertwined. And this is going to be very successful for everybody who's a Spider Man fan. Mm -hmm. Like, anybody who's 
half in Spider-Man, half out, it's probably going to be like, yeah, sure, I'll go see it. But like, mm. if you're like an Iron Man fan, or if you're like a Hulk fan, or you're like a Batman fan, or something else that's like a singular <laughs> character. <laughs> I see no, what you I, mean. Yeah, it's, it's definitely that. hitting a smaller, just, it's definitely a smaller audience. However, I will say, yeah. it has already taken the number two spot for the highest amount of money in pre-sales. Jesus. Do you want to know how much... Very true. Do you want to know how much this movie has made in... Uh, pre a uh, pre-sale tickets. How much? Thirty-five million dollars. Oh my god! In pre-sale yeah. tickets alone. You know yet. why? One of that reasons is eighty-six thousand tickets were released and sold by AMC with a special NFT made uniquely uh, for the movie's release. Really? So wow. when you're Fuck, yeah, I so wish this I is why. That. So AMC, shout out to AMC. Wow. AMC is killing Fuck, the game. I wish I They're that. innovating wow. the space. So if Fuck. you went and bought your ticket online, you and you were one of those first eighty six thousand people, you uh, can take your ticket to the movie, and when you scan it for admission, you'll receive an email being able yep. to claim the NFT. In the wow, yep. Here it dude! Is. Fuck! I wish I had gotten that. Spider-Man this is only NFT the beginning. Drove. That's gonna mint yep. you some money, dude. Fuck, the man. CEO of the CEO of AMC. Yeah, he said NFT drove the second best one day ticket sales. Holy shit. Shit, wow. That's crazy. Now it is important. Adam, Endgame is still number CEO one. And Endgame Adam, did it NFTs, so. <laughs> Yo, for real, shout out to CEO Adam, and that's you know his handle on Twitter. Um, he is listening to the retail investors. He's listening mm. to the AMC apes. I've been on mm. Twitter space calls with a lot of these uh, AMC apes and a lot of these influencers and a lot of uh, inv- uh, financial uh, experts that are giving their commentary. And because this conversation has been generated, this is all a result of the apes and these retail investors wanting to make the dividends into an NFT so that they could track exactly the the number of shares that are out there on the market, which they still may do. But I think that because of all that talk, then that is what caused the CEO, Adam, to be uh, integrating NFTs. And not only that, but taking Shiba as a currency. So you can go buy tickets with or buy a gift card, I think, right now using Bitcoin, Ethereum or Shiba. That's so this is funny. So nuts. I'm on this is I'm on the AMC Theaters website and they, they have a whole thing about this NFT. That's wow. so crazy. Um, we, I just talked about it last night with a bunch of like leaders in the space for an hour. Uh, it, was, it was pretty great. Um, so everyone should go follow us on Twitter uh, at, at Abracadabra, Abracadabra Dev uh, if you want to be a part <laughs> of it. And all you stuff. had to do was buy a ticket? That's Fuck. so wild, dude. You're going to mint so much money. I mean, but it was almost impossible to get a ticket. Yeah. Like, I remember I didn't even try to, uh, I didn't try to get a uh, pre-sale ticket for two reasons. One, um, when this movie comes out, uh, I'm going to be in New Orleans with my parents, and unfortunately, I might not even, like, it just might not work out that we can see this movie opening night, because I'm going to be, you know, we're on vacation, I'm with my parents and stuff, I might just have to wait till like, you know, a couple days later and see it when we go back to, like, where they live mm-hmm. in, in Alabama right now, um, so, uh, so I was just like, yeah, I'll, I'll see it on Friday or Saturday or Sunday or something, and I'll just avoid the internet for a couple of days. Yeah. Or, you know, or maybe we'll have the time and I'll, we'll get tickets on the day. You know what I mean? But then the other reason I didn't get a ticket pre sale was because 
I was like, I have tried to buy stuff the day it launches when there's a fervor, and it's fucking impossible. The website's shut down. There's long-ass queues. It's usually more effort than it's worth when I can just see it the the next day. I did not know that there was an NFT on the line, though. Man, that's crazy. That's wild. I wonder... I mean, uh, no, there can't be. There's probably none left. 86,000 of those tickets were solely purchased just to get that NFT. Dude, I would have bought one, gotten the NFT, and resold the ticket for double what I bought it for. I can go see it no bro you later. just buy it you, you have to scan that's not the how ticket it works. oh you right ah, yeah. gotcha that's fine um uh, but also but that doesn't matter as soon as you get it that thing's gonna like skyrocket in value price yeah there's, um it's the first of its kind and, yeah. the matrix is also selling nfts uh for for the yep. yeah and uh. theirs is really cool because i isn't you either buy a red pill or a blue pill right and then if, mm-hmm. and if then if you decide if you buy the red pill it will transform into a different nft right uh. so, something like yeah, that yeah so there's yeah. game mechanics that we can work into nfts mm-hmm. and this is some of the stuff that we're building with our yeah, film projects um mm-hmm. so i think you know it, the the opportunities that that allows are are fucking limitless and, and pretty awesome and we're only going to see more of it you know, like in one of the cool things, we had an idea from one of the uh, uh, Twitter AMC investors last night when we were telling them, spitballing all these ideas. One of them says, you know, GameStop could partner with AMC and in a video game trailer before a movie, you could like flash the QR code and you could like scan it on your phone and you could get an NFT for like skins and gear yeah, or in-game dude, benefits. There, there's shit so like that. much cool shit that can be done with the nft space and you know metaverses and and it's just we're so, we're so early this is like this is such an exciting time to be aware of this stuff because like if you pay attention to this shit now this is the oppor- there is this is a once in a lifetime opportunity as the world changes around us and we are so early in this and there's so many fun things that can happen in this space that it's like the sky's the limit. We're, we're, we're so early into this. It's so exciting. You know what I'm talking about?